Well, here we are. It's the end of 2020. Let's take a moment to look back. If you recall, our theme for 2020 was God's amazing grace. If ever there was a year that we needed God's grace, this was that year. In the midst of fear, conflicting media reports, a roller coaster economy, the outbreak of racial violence, Black Lives Matter, protesting, rioting, super dramatic politics, this was certainly a year that we needed God's grace. When some businesses were shutting down, uh, we went to two services, painted the building, and put our name on it. When some had to pull back, the Lord allowed us to occupy a greater online presence with the worship of God, the word of God, and the work of God. We've seen his provision. We've seen his healing. The kingdom, how many of you know the kingdom of God doesn't shut down? He continues to intervene in our lives. He continues to keep us in his grace. Even when we're on the edge of calling it quits, he allows us to get up one more time and keep going. One of the best moments in God's grace for the church on Guam and Saipan happened when thousands gathered for the Festival of Hope just three weeks before the shutdown. Just three weeks. By God's grace, hundreds prayed the salvation prayer inviting the Holy Spirit into their lives. When we think about all that God did in 2020, His grace is amazing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this amazing gift of life. And Father, thank you for the experience of knowing you, encountering you. And I pray, God, that you would use our time, our hearts, and our faith, and your presence here now to allow us to experience you in another way, yet again, by your grace, to touch our hearts, to encourage, to build up, and Lord, allow us to become the people that you designed us to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if there's anything that 2020 showed us is that no matter what happens, you can rely on God to be gracious, forgiving, patient, and kind in your personal experience. And we, will, we don't know what 2021 will hold, but I'm sure there will be circumstances when, once again, we need his grace. My message today is short and it's simple, but it may be difficult for some. And that's why I've highlighted God's grace. In difficult situations, we definitely need the grace of God. If 2020 showed us anything in our personal experience, be assured that God is for you, God is with you, and God is gracious. As we've been working through just the dynamics in our lives, in our community, in the world, there's a common theme that has come up throughout the entire year. Now we're talking about looking back a little bit and reviewing what has happened as we approach a new year. And one of the themes that has come up over and over, you've seen it in church, if you've come to our prayer meetings once a month, or the ones that meet weekly. Um, if you've been watching on the media, 
Um, you know, one of the themes that we've been working through is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And in this passage, uh, we're going to take a look at it one more time because I think there are, some, there are some things there for us to work out. And so here it is, beginning in verse 13. At times, and this is God speaking, he says, I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls. Well, we don't have that here on Guam. Or command grasshoppers to devour your crops. That's not such a big deal here. But this one, or send plagues among you. Verse 14, God says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will restore their land. Now, we've been working through this. We've been praying through this during the pandemic. But I think a question that we need to ask ourselves, have we humbled ourselves, truly humbled ourselves, and repented of our sins as a nation? You might ask yourself, well, what are those? What are the sins of our nation? One way, well, before I go back, before I go there, um, how would we know? And even if we did know, what would we do? You know, God deals with us individually. Sometimes he deals with us as families or communities, churches, nations, even the world. In the bigger scheme of what's going on in the world, even if we did know what our national sins were, could we as individuals or as a church make a difference? And God's word here is very clear. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, he says, I will hear and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. So that's the promise. God's saying we can make a difference. How do we know when we get there? One of the keys is looking at the world around us and just asking ourselves, are we still experiencing the consequences of our choices? You might ask, well, what are the consequences I'm looking for? And the Bible has some very clear consequences when bad things happen, when we make choices that are sinful, that are ungodly, even evil. And one of them is found in Genesis chapter 4, uh, this is the story of Cain and Abel. You recall, these are the sons of Adam and Eve. And Cain, as you recall, was jealous of his brother Abel and had it in his heart that he was going to take him out. And the Lord came to him before that, and he said to him, why has your countenance fallen? In other words, why, why are you looking sad? Why are you depressed? He said, if you do well, won't your countenance be lifted up? But if you don't do well, he warned him. He said, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. He came to warn Cain, but Cain didn't receive that warning. And he didn't rise to the occasion. He didn't succeed in that test, and he ended up taking his brother's life. And afterwards, the Lord came to him, and he said, what have you done? Your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. And then the Lord reveals something very interesting about the consequences of the shedding of innocent blood. And this is what he says in verse 12 of Genesis 4. God says to Cain, 
No longer will the ground yield crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. And in this passage, God reveals two consequences for the shedding of innocent blood. Now, today, we don't live in an agricultural society. So some of the word picture here may not be as obvious, but you can extract a principle out of the example. And so in an agricultural society, the ground, the crops, was a symbol of provision. It was the source. Today, we live in a currency economy where we exchange goods with currency. But the idea, the principle is that the source of provision will be limited. It will no longer yield its abundance to you, no matter how hard you work. So the source of provision will be limited. Secondly, God says in this passage that you will be a wanderer on the earth. In other words, Cain would no longer feel like he had a place where he belonged. He wouldn't feel a sense of home. He would always just kind of in his heart never kind of settle down. And so when you think about these consequences for the shedding of innocent blood, where in society do we see this? And if you know you've been a student of history, you know one of the most notable events in history was the Holocaust. During World War II, six million Jews were killed in concentration camps. Now that's a horrible atrocity of war. But we have something even worse here in the United States. Since Roe versus Wade, 50 million babies have been aborted. And God's word is very clear about the consequences of the shedding of innocent blood. He says, your source of provision will be limited. Earlier I said God can do with us as individuals, families, churches, communities, nations. As a nation, how are we doing financially? I was Googling it in preparation for this message. We are now approaching $20 trillion of debt. 20 trillion. And that's a hard figure to imagine. Well, how much is that? So one way to make it more real for us is if you take 20 trillion and you divide it by the population of people in the United States, which is about 323 million. So 20 trillion divided by 323 million comes out to each of us, if we were to help pay the national debt, every person in the United States owes about $60,000 each. And how long would it take you to pay that, to help pay off the debt? My point is this. We are in a bad situation financially. But if we admit the cause, and I know that the national debt is very complicated. There's a global economy. There's inflation. There's all these factors way beyond any of us as economists. But if we will look at the spiritual cause behind where we're at financially, and if we could admit that, then the grace of God can allow us to repent. And when we do, there can be forgiveness, and there can be restoration, and there can be recovery. His grace really is amazing, and nothing is too difficult for God to forgive. But if we don't admit the spiritual cause, then the suffering, the consequences continue, and the suffering continues. 
The second thing that God mentioned as a consequence of the shedding of innocent blood is that you will be a wanderer. In other words, there'll be no sense of belonging. And this is true not just of individuals. This can be true of a nation in the world. I'll give you just two examples. Um, as a nation, we used to isolate ourselves prior to World War II. We used to isolate ourselves. And it was easy to do with two big oceans on either side of the continental United States. But during World War II, we decided to get involved in the global story, and we won the war, and we took center stage on the global stage. There is no perfect country. But after that, for about 30 or 40 years, uh, the United States had much favor in the eyes of the world. Just about everything US was considered favorable. And just a little example, my wife and I had the opportunity to travel, travel quite a bit in the last five years. You know, it doesn't matter where we go. It could be a coffee shop in Surabaya, Malaysia, or you could be in Thailand in a mall. Wherever we go, if you listen to the intercom music, we're listening to American music. And it doesn't matter where you go. You could be in Burma, and man, they're playing American music on their phone. And it's just an example of the favor that has been on the US as a leader in the world in so many ways for decades. But in the last 20 years, that favor has been eroding. And I'll give you just two examples. One of the reasons for the military buildup here on Guam is because they're moving the, the Marine base from Okinawa and the people in Okinawa and the government in Okinawa said, we don't want you here anymore. And they have some legitimate reasons. But this is just one example of how the sense of favor and belonging is going away on the world stage. I'll give you another example closer to home. When I was a child, Liberation Day Parade was a big deal. I mean, people just didn't go and watch. It was big to participate in the parade. I mean, there were so many people there. Police motor motorcycles used to go back and forth, up and down the road, just to keep the crowd back off the road. There's, I mean, everybody was down there. It was such a big deal. Of course, all of that was in celebration of US forces liberating the island from the atrocities of war. The Liberation, Day, the Liberation Day Parade was a symbol of gratitude and appreciation and celebration. But this year, in, collection, in, in connection with Black Lives Matter, we had protesters saying, get off my island. This year, the parade was canceled for the first time in 75 years. Of course, we had the quarantine and everyone understood. But I didn't hear one person say that I miss having the Liberation Day Parade. I didn't hear a single person even mention it. Whether it's Okinawa, whether it's Guam, or downtown Portland, the sense of home and the sense of belonging is eroding. And God says those who shed innocent blood have no sense of belonging. They'll be wandering, won't be able to settle. And the source of provision will be limited. Hence, our national debt. The consequences of shedding innocent blood help us to recognize our nation's sin. Because unfortunately, 
Sometimes we need consequences in order to recognize, much less admit, that we did something wrong. It's sad, but it's true. And if we see it, and if we recognize it, what can we do? Well, as always, Jesus is our example. And we should turn to him and see how did he respond to sin. You know, God, when he saw the sin of the world, he wasn't standing up in his throne on high, looking down at us measly humans, wondering, uh, okay, maybe I'll give you another chance. Is that how he did it? No, that's not what he did. What he did is he came down from his throne and he humbled himself and he became one of us. In fact, he identified with us so much that the Bible says he who knew no sin became our sin on our behalf so that we could exchange his righteousness for our sinfulness. When that transaction took place in the Garden of Gethsemane, it almost killed him. The Bible says he sweat drops of blood. That's how stressful it was to take on the sin of the world. But the moment he did that, another spiritual law went into place, which is the result of sin is, yes, death. And so within 24 hours, he was crucified on the cross. My point is this. When God forgives, he doesn't stand aloof and far. He's not distant. He's not looking at us, you know, thinking, you know, so upset at you guys, but you know what, I'm going to give you a chance. No, instead he identifies with us and becomes like us and becomes one of us. So here's the point. When we forgive, we need to recognize that we're not talking about those people out there we're talking about us and that we too are sinners that's why jesus said in the our father prayer he said father forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and so we need to identify as a fellow sinner once we do that then the next part will be natural and that is we need to repent have you ever cried over your sin Have you recently ever cried over your sin? You know, about 40 years ago, I was a younger Christian. This is before I met Terry and we got married. I was in a relationship that I shouldn't have been in. And that relationship ended, but the consequences didn't. And the peace was gone, his presence, the fellowship was gone, the blessing was gone. And I wish I could say I turned around sooner, but I'll just tell on myself and admit that it took me about a year before God in his grace allowed me to repent. And there came a time when for like three days I began to repent and I just began to cry for what I had done. And there was a point where it was so bad I'd be driving on the road, I had to pull over because of the tears were flowing down. And I I just remember saying, God, I'm so sorry for what I did. And I remember, I don't know if it was the second or third day, there was a part where I just kept saying over and over, Lord, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. And it wasn't that I was in denial about what I had done. I knew that. What I what I was saying in my heart was, God, I that's not what I really want. I want you. And I want your ways. And I want to experience you and be restored in my relationship with you. 
And I share that story to create a picture of what heartfelt repentance is like. Have we cried out to God for our nation's sin? Have our hearts been broken by what we've done? And if we haven't repented for our sin as a nation, we need to. The only hope the world has, the only hope the nations have for re- is revival. And before revival happens, there needs to be repentance. You know, it's re- repentance is so important because it's repentance that allows us to truly change and walk away from a former life. You know, there have been times when um, I've been tempted and all of us are. All you got to do is turn on your computer. All you got to do is walk in the mall. Temptation is all around us. We live in a world of darkness. But it always goes back to that moment in my heart when I repented and I said, God, I can't go back to the way that was. I can't go back to the way I was. And that fundamental decision in the core of your being is what will hold you to walk with God. But it, but it happens with repentance. And I'm concerned about us as a nation. Have we come to that place of repentance about our national sins? I know there are many. I've only highlighted one of them today because of time. There are many. But have we repented to the point that we're crying out to God saying, God, please forgive us for what we've done? The good news is that there is hope for the nations. But in order to get there, we need to recognize and we need to repent and we need to seek the presence of God. And when we do, he will heal our nation. And I have a very clear application point for us today. This year, I'm inviting all of us to be here January 11th to the 15th. It's a Monday through Friday. We'll be here at 7 p.m. nightly for our annual prayer and fasting. I don't know that as a nation we've gotten to the place where we've hit the tipping point to be able to say that we've humbled ourselves and we've repented and we're crying out to God. I think there's something more there for us to press into, to tip the scales in order for God to bring healing and bring restoration to our land. And so I think it's, it's timely that we have this prayer and fasting that we do each year. And to help encourage you with that, I want to let you listen to a message by our ministry president, Steve Murrow. Uh, We have a video for you. And so if you go ahead and turn your attention to the screen, uh, let's listen to Pastor Steve Murrow. In January 2019, toward the end of our annual global week of prayer, fasting, and consecration, During a noon prayer meeting in Nashville, several of us felt like God was speaking that amazing grace should be our 2020 theme. Little did we know then how desperately we would need God's grace for all of 2020. As we look back on this tumultuous year, we are truly grateful for His grace that has been with us in every situation. While we have no idea what 2021 has in store for us, we know how we will start the year with a week of prayer, fasting, and consecration. I'm pleased to announce that our 2021 theme is Awesome God. Starting with our week of prayer and consecration and continuing through the whole year, 
We want to focus on the greatness and the goodness of God. I want you to join us January 11 through 15, 2021, as we consecrate ourselves and seek God and know more about our awesome God. So save the date. January 11th to the 15th, we'll be here nightly to press in and seek his presence to experience the goodness and the greatness of our awesome God. I'd like to close with the verse that comes after 2 Chronicles 7.14. Verse 15, I think, is very significant where God says, Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. And I pray that we get to that place for God to be able to heal our land and to forgive our sin and to restore our nation. But first it begins, we need to recognize, we need to repent, and then God will bring the revival. There is hope for the nations. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you've not left us in the dark to try and figure out this thing called life. Lord, you've given us some very clear pathways to find life and to find the light, to experience you and to experience your provision and your preservation and your abundance. And I pray, God, that you, by your grace, and by your spirit, be at work in our hearts and in the hearts of all those who are called by your name around the globe. God, I pray for pockets of your people to be praying for your power to heal. And so God, as we begin a new year, we ask that you would take us and that you would use us in the bigger picture of your kingdom. And Father, I pray that you would enable us and empower us to persevere as we pray, as we fast, to press in and to seek your presence. If you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'd like to talk with some of you who may be here today. Perhaps you've been thinking about your relationship with God. In fact, maybe you sense God's been trying to get your attention lately. And you've been thinking, you know what, something feels like it's missing. I'm not quite sure what it is, but you know, it might be my relationship with God. And if that describes you, you feel like God's been getting your attention yet but you've never actually made a choice to let him be in your life. You've never made a conscious decision to invite him to be a part of your life. I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that. If that describes you, you feel like God's been getting your attention and you're here today not just to go to church, but you're actually looking to experience God, then there's a way to do that. I wanna give you an opportunity. The most important part is simply that's your desire. It's what you want. And if that describes you, then it's a matter of just expressing that to God, which is prayer. And so what we'll do is we'll pray together. I'll pray out loud. God will hear you. You can follow along. But before we do, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And so if this is something that you'd like to do, um, I have a signal for us to pray. And that is if you would look up, then when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if you'd like to do that, go ahead and take a moment to look up and then we'll pray together in a moment. Here? Okay, I see you. And here, good. Okay. Anybody else? Back here? Yes? 
Anybody else? Don't want to miss anyone. Okay, very good. Let's pray. I see you there. God, I'm here because I sense you've been getting my attention. And so today I'm making a choice to turn to you, to say yes, to open up, to let you come in and be a part of my life. And Lord, the way I've been living isn't working so well and I, I want to experience you and your way. And God, I ask you to forgive me for the things I've done, things I'm not proud of. And I thank you for Jesus, what he did for me on the cross. And I receive your forgiveness. I receive your spirit of forgiveness into mine. And if you're praying this prayer here or online, just want to invite you to take a moment to do business with God and to let him come in. Just trust his presence to be with you and in you. This is the moment that he's been waiting for. This is what you're created for, to know him, to experience him in a relationship that will never end. And so just let him come in now. Father, thank you for coming into my life. Thank you for forgiving me. And Father, I ask that you would reveal yourself to me. And I ask that you would teach me your ways and that you would make me the kind of person you want me to be. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give a hand to those who prayed that prayer. And if you did, I want to invite you to do two things. Number one, tell a friend. Chances are the people who've been talking to you about God, they've made the same choice. You can learn together, grow together. We're better together. Secondly, we have something that will help you develop your relationship with God. If you'll come over to this table, we'll give that to you. You'll meet some lovely people that will connect with you, and you'll be on your way. We'd love to connect with you. So you guys have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. God bless, and Happy New Year. Rising up with you, rising up with you, rising up with you, you take me high on the wings of your truth, yes I'm rising up with you, rising up